Hello and welcome to the Smells Like Infinite Sadness podcast. I'm your host, Michael Taylor. Those of you who don't know, I run the website, SmellsLikeInfiniteSadness.com. It's a blog covering the best alternative rock from the 80s and 90s up to present day. I'm a proud middle-aged Gen Xer who is still obsessed with the music of his youth and loves to talk about it. And today I'll be speaking with Mark Resnick, longtime drummer for the Toadies, the Fort Worth-based alt-rockers who formed in 1989 and minus a six-year gap in the early 2000s have remained a Texas musical institution ever since. The band are currently on a North American tour to celebrate the 25th anniversary, 25 years of Rubberneck, their 1994 release that broke into the masses thanks to hits like I Come From the Water, Tyler, and Possum Kingdom. In addition, the group have also just released a new EP entitled Damn You All to Hell, which features four previously unreleased tracks, including a cover of David Bowie's Sound and Vision. In today's interview, I asked Resnick about the highlights of celebrating Rubberneck on the Road, his memories of making the album and the DFW music scene of the 90s, uh, the band's new EP, and much more. So check out the interview, and afterwards I'll be playing a track off the new EP. My first question is, when did you guys decide you wanted to do a 25th anniversary tour? What kind of led up to it, and what was that process like, deciding on that? Um... Let's see. Well, we had done one uh, for our 20th anniversary. And then um, when the 25th came up, somebody suggested it. And we're like, you know, sounds like a good idea. People people had been asking, you know, you guys going to do this on the 25th? At first, we were a little lukewarm about it because um, we had just done the 20th. <laughs> yeah. But then, um, oh, we were kind of working, we're still working toward uh, recording an album, um, and we didn't have it ready, so we're like, well, let's do this Rubberneck tour, and then continue work on the album, um, and then the pandemic hit, and uh, so the scheduled tour got pushed back a year. And then that was all that was all ready to go. And um then the next wave of the pandemic hit. <laughs> yeah. So we uh it got pushed back a third year. So um yeah, we're actually closer to the thirtieth anniversary than the twenty fifth now, but it's finally happening. <laughs> <laughs> What have been some some of the highlights so far of the tour? What have been some of the moments that have that have stood out to you? Um, last night in Los Angeles was was really fun. Um, I don't know. I've always heard people say that uh, LA audiences aren't very demonstrative; that they they kind of seem jaded and act like they've seen it all and done it all. And um, that was definitely not the case last night. Like they were really enthusiastic and it was a fun show um in denver uh that was a sellout that was a few days ago um but really all the shows have been just great like i think people are you know tired of being cooped up ready to get out and see live shows and ready to see this tour that we've had to reschedule twice you know so it's been been great so far yeah it's like for so long there was no nobody could play and now everybody's playing at the same time so there's so many shows going on it's kind of it's kind of crazy it's it uh, is <laughs> um 
there's a lot of competition, but, um, you know, we seem to be doing all right. So. Well, great. Well, when you, when you're playing these, you know, your, your rubberneck tracks, do you ever try to throw something in to kind of change arrangements up just to make it more interesting for you guys? Or do you feel like you need to really sit close to the original recording so that it's the way fans are you say hearing it, or do you kind of do a mix of the of both or how does that, how do you work on that when you're working on the set? Um, I think um, like for these type of things where you're playing the whole album, um, our idea is to, you know, stick as close to the album arrangement as possible, because I think that's what people are really coming to see. Um, I think at other times when it's, um, when it's not really specifically, you know, we're not playing the whole album, um, just like a quote unquote regular show. Uh, we do sometimes mess with the arrangements, you know, just to change it up and everything. But, um, it was interesting when we were, uh, rehearsing for the tour, like we went back and, and listened to the album, you know, each of us on their own with a fine tooth comb and, it was interesting to see how um, the songs had kind of naturally sort of evolved and mutated over the years. And it was, it was weird to go back and listen to the original recordings and like, Oh, I've been playing it like this all this time, but actually the recording goes like that. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of fun to, to fine tune it back to the way, to the way it started. <laughs> <laughs> well i also you guys also just put on a new ep which i like quite a bit and was that recorded during the pandemic or when did you all start working on that and and what was the creative process behind that like um uh, it was all recorded prior to the pandemic um three of the songs were recorded uh during the sessions for our last album lower side of uptown um they were uh just for a length and they didn't quite fit the vibe of the rest of the album um so we thought we'd save them um for a future project like whether it was saving for the next album or whatever um and then um you know i think the time came we thought Hey, we've been sitting on these long enough. Let's let's just put out an EP since we don't have a full length album ready. Let's put out a new EP, you know, uh, about the time that we're starting the tour to let people know that we're still uh, a viable act that um, we're still making music and stuff. We recorded so many songs for the last album. We always knew probably not everything was going to make it. As long as you're in the studio and you're cooking with gas, might as well <laughs> keep the recorder going, you know. And then uh, the the David Bowie cover on the EP, um, you know, like yeah, during downtime in between recording songs, like we'll just be messing around and you know start playing a a famous riff or whatever, you know, different classic rock songs or whatever, and that was one we started messing around with and somebody said, Hey, let's, let's play the whole song and roll tape. So, um, yeah, we 
that's like a first or second take. And like, huh, that turned out pretty good. Let's keep it. <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that because I really liked it. The kind of the, the southern twang element to it. And it was an interesting take. What made you decide on that Bowie track? Were you like looking specifically to do a Bowie song or was it that one that was always kind of in the back, back of y'all's mind to, to try that one out? Um, that's, um, that's been my favorite, uh, Bowie song for, you know, since I was a kid, for some reason it always stood out to me. And so, um, the intro is on drums. So just like messing around, I would always play the drum intro and then whoever was on the same wavelength would start messing around We'd you know, play the first. 20 or 30 seconds of the song as much as we knew. Um, and then I don't remember, I think it might've been Donnie said, let's just learn the whole song. Play it. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was kind of cool to do it, you know, just with our regular four piece instrumentation because the original like has synthesizers on uh-huh. it and that kind of stuff. So it's cool adapting some of those parts to guitar and stuff like that, you know, came out pretty cool. I thought. So I know obviously this is, this tour is based around rubberneck, but are you doing any other songs? Have you put any songs from the EP in the set list or is it strictly rubberneck songs? And, and that's it. Um, no, we, um, since rubberneck's only like, uh, 36 minutes long or something, uh, we have to fill out the rest of the set. But uh, we we start off usually with um, a few songs from our catalog uh, to kind of get warmed up, and then uh, then we blast through Rubberneck front to start, um, and then uh, for an encore we we play some others. Um, we've even been uh, we got a brand new song we haven't actually recorded yet that we've been playing. And uh, at Soundcheck, we're working up some of the other new songs that we're hoping to record later in the year or next year. So, um, you know, we know everybody's coming here to see Rubberneck, but figure as long as we have them, you know, here's one new song. <laughs> Nobody wants to go to a concert and hear a bunch of new stuff they've never heard before. Yeah. So. So we throw one in and that's, you know, kind of a teaser for stuff that's coming up. People seem pretty receptive to it. So it's cool. Well, when you're, when you are revisiting Rubberneck, are there any songs in particular that you're, that, that you prefer playing the most? Is there one in like this tour that you, that you are really in sync with more than the others, or is it all just kind of equal as far as would you, would you think back on um, like on a on a normal set uh, that's not specifically a rubberneck set, we we generally play you know three fourths of the album anyway, so it's um, it's not really new, but not necessarily in the order that they appear on the album. So um, it's uh, I've always liked playing the song "I Come from the Water." Just. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I like the groove and I like how enthusiastic people get when they hear it. But really, you know, it seems like every song on that album is somebody's favorite, you know, <laughs> but especially, you know, the big hit was Possum Kingdom. So 
it's always fun to see the response once we start playing that. It's just really cool that, you know, pretty much everybody you know knows the album front to back. So um, just the anticipation of, ooh, I know the next song is my favorite or whatever, like all of that stuff just makes it, um, it's real, like just fun, like seeing the smiles on people's faces and uh, the enjoyment people are getting from hearing these songs they've heard their whole life is just it's a cool feeling honestly like we haven't toured in five years so it's just it real feels really gratifying you know? <laughs> yeah i mean i think what i love about rubberneck so much is that it's one of those albums that i feel like it never really dates like because your sound is is so particular that i feel like it's it's just it's held up so well throughout the years that that I think it's got kind of a timeless quality to it. And I think that's probably one reason why it's, it's still so popular. Yeah. Um, we never, you know, obviously never planned it that way, but <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. Um, and it's really cool seeing, you know, the different uh, generations of people in the audience, you know, there's people bringing their kids and stuff. And um, there was even uh there was a show where there were three generations, like a, a dad and his daughter and her son. Oh, wow. So, um, pretty cool that, you know, that this one album that we did when, when we were kids uh, still appeals to people of all ages. Like, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing. It's not nothing we ever planned on, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I mean, I'm I'm close to, to y'all's age. I think. I mean, I grew up, you know, in Fort Worth, and I remember when when you all were starting to get big and all that. But I, I do notice now when I go to shows, like I saw Ministry a few months ago, and seeing like, all these young kids there, and then you know, these it's it's cool how how this how that this that era of music is still being felt, and especially today with you know so much stuff that's kind of disposable. It's it's nice that that people are still responding to, you know, some good sturdy stuff like that. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting how much, uh, staying power, you know, all that music from that era, um, still has like, who would have thought, I mean, at the time we didn't realize what a, what a like golden era of rock music it was, you know, like, yeah. On the radio, on MTV, just everywhere, you know. And now, I think nowadays, uh, like with the internet, that's pretty much how people uh, discover music. And so it's more like fragmented. Like, like if you like a certain genre, you can laser focus and just hear that, you know, type of music. And, you know, back in the day, it was just whatever was on the radio. So I, I feel like, in some ways you were kind of exposed to a bigger variety when, yeah. when somebody else was choosing what you listened to rather than getting on your computer and like specifically, I like this song. And so the algorithm will pick a bunch of other songs that they think are similar, you know, it's sort of, I mean, that that's really helpful to me. Like I, I discover a lot of music that way, but, but it was also cool with the kind of human touch of going to a record store and whatever they might be spinning. And you 
go up and ask the clerk, who is that? Or if you just have your radio on and, you know, a human being, a DJ, you know, spinning actual records, like, I don't know. Um, things were lost and things have been gained with the passage of time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. I, I try to explain to my daughter what consuming music used to be like. She looks at me like I'm from Mars, you know, or, 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 or like younger, younger coworkers that I work with who are like, think that, you know, the stuff I like is like classic rock. It's just, it's weird how, how, it, how everyone has a different perspective on it as, as things, you know, kind of. Yeah. It's, it's weird when I hear terms like dad rock, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate that term. <laughs> Nirvana and, and, pixies or whatever it's like what that's it still seems heavy and radical to me like dad rock <laughs> I, I know yeah that, that's uh that term that rankles me but but i you know <laughs> I, it doesn't seem right, but I guess you know <laughs> <laughs> well how, how many more dates do you all have in the tour um we're really only uh about a week and a half in so um and it's uh scheduled to go for seven weeks so we've got a long ways to go um october 31st is the last show of the tour that should be cool we got a handful of shows in texas um in november after that that are those are not part of the rubberneck tour just um previously scheduled shows but um so we'll be pretty much busy the rest of the year and i know that you know you always seem to have like you know you have like your craft beers or you have things that kind of tie into everything do you guys have any special items that are coming out this year in response to rubberneck or anything that you're um let's see uh we have a coffee now we partnered with the coffee maker uh, and that's called uh, dark secret <laughs> uh, a dark dark roast coffee um we don't have a new beer out this time um we're in talks i don't know if i should be talking about this yet or not but i'm gonna uh we're in talks <laughs> to partner with um this company that makes uh, THC CBD gummies. Oh, cool. Um, because apparently in Texas now, uh, THC plus CBD gummies are legal. Yeah, it's a very weird thing, but it, it is true. Yeah, I think as long as the uh, the volume of CBD is higher than the amount of THC, then it's legal or something. And this was news to me until these people approached us about <laughs> like, Oh, well, that's, that's pretty cool. That's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Cause they, they had tried to, they had tried to outlaw it for a while. I mean, I know that they had, but, but then they, they took it to a higher court and they're like, Nope, you can do it. So yeah, hopefully that's like the Trojan horse that kind of gets. I, I've, uh, I've been convinced that Texas would be, the 49th or 50th state to legalize but we'll see yeah we will see (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we do have some uh some eye burn rolling papers that are new for this tour as a merch (laughs) 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 
kinds of knickknacks and patty wax. <laughs> How do y'all come up with those ideas? Like, is it something that that you're approached with, or something that you approach a vendor with? How do you decide on what you know what you're going to use promotional items wise? Um, usually, like. Um, one of us in the band or our manager might have an idea. Hey, what about this? And we'll all like discuss it and say, yeah, that, that'd be cool. Or I don't know about that. You know, <laughs> I, I think uh, the idea is, I mean, of course we're going to have t-shirts and vinyl and all that stuff, but it's always cool to have other items, you know, I think at the, at the merch booth just to, for variety's sake and you know sometimes people can't afford or don't want to spend the money on on a t-shirt or a record so you know here's here's some papers that are a few dollars or a koozie or whatever you know the more variety the more the more chance people have of taking a piece of the toadies home <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's really cool, you know, this kind of era where physical media, you know, is isn't as prevalent as it used to be that, that you guys get to get some tangible stuff that people can can't take home with them to kind of help them remember the concert experience and Yeah. I mean I, I um I like doing that. Like if um if I go to a show and you know, like uh we try and keep the price of our t shirts and stuff you know, as low as we can and still make it worthwhile. But some of the bigger, you know, big touring acts and stuff, if I go to a, like an arena show, I'm like, oh my God, they want how much for a t-shirt? You know, even if I, if I love the bands, God, I just can't, I can't be spending that much on a t-shirt. So, um, but I do want something, you know, like I saw the Rolling Stones five or six years ago and, I want something, you know, just to remember, hey, I was there. I experienced that, you know, so whether it's just a koozie or a whatever, you know, like it's fun to have cool stuff, cool little shit to <laughs> have around the house. Well, it's cool you do that. Yeah, because last night I went and saw Roxy Music and tears were like $50 a shirt practically or $40 a shirt. I'm like, uh, I don't want it that bad. You know? <laughs> so it's, right. it's cool that you that you keep that in mind because a lot of, like you say, a lot of, you know, it's a lot of price gouging going on with stuff like that. Yeah. How was the Roxy show? It was very good. It was, it was really, really cool. Like, I don't think, I don't think I've ever played, I think they played Texas like 46 years ago or something crazy like that. So it was... Right. It was amazing. It was really cool. Yeah, it was really um, because they're not doing that many dates. Um, one of them was going to be Dallas, but it happened to coincide with us being on this tour. So I'm like, you know, I've always wanted to see Roxy and I never have. And I'm still not going to be able to see him because the dates and the stars do not align. <laughs> Yeah, I, I lucked out with it, but yeah, it was it was really cool. Cool, interesting mix of generations. Talking about generations, like you were saying, it's uh, all all over the map for that show. It was, yeah, I bet. Um, and I saw um, some of the playlists, uh, the set list that they've been using, and they're they're pretty much covering their whole catalog. You know, 
yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty even handed. I thought as far as covering all their stuff. Yeah, would have loved to see it. Maybe someday. <laughs> yeah, ho- hopefully they'll come back out when they're eighty. We'll see. They're, <laughs> they're getting up there, but they were still still doing it. Well, so when this tour wraps up, are you guys going to go into the studio and, and make a new full length, or are you have you? Are you doing any like special reissues for Rubberneck this time around, or? Uh, yeah, there is um, like a red vinyl twenty uh, fifth anniversary Rubberneck, um, and yeah, we're planning to record a new album. It'll probably be um, early twenty twenty three before we get in the studio. We're pretty much booked up the rest of this year, but we got quite a few songs you know ready to go i think we're gonna probably get together a couple more times work up even more material it's always better to have more than you need for an album Mm -hmm. so yeah uh really excited to finally be working on new stuff and we also have uh like some other things we're planning to reissue um we're going to put out, uh, it's the very first Toadies single. Um, it was originally only released on cassette. Uh, the two songs are Dig a Hole and I Hope You Die. Oh, but, but I'm wanting to hear you guys play I Hope You Die. So I miss, I miss that song so much. Yeah. Um, it's never been out on vinyl before, just the, uh, the self-released cassette. That was mm-hmm. actually recorded before I was even in the band. Um, so, uh, yeah, we've been working on that. That's going to be finally coming out on vinyl pretty soon. Um, and then um, we've been working to try and reissue Hell Below Stars Above on vinyl, which that's oh, cool. never vinyl. It's, only, it's the only one of our albums that never had a vinyl issue. Um, it's still owned by Interscope, so there's been a lot of um hoops to jump through to try and make that happen but i think we have everything lined up so that um that should be happening sometime in the near future (laughs) very cool any chance i hope you die will be in a set list anytime soon i know that uh, y'all stopped playing that for for a long time yeah uh, i imagine once the uh once we actually have the physical release ready, we'll probably, you know, throw one or both of those songs back in the set list every now and then. That would be awesome. Blast from the past. <laughs> so after the, that rec- that uh, release, the, the original cassette, that was what got me into the Toadies. Um, I started basically stalking them until they hired me to be their drummer. <laughs> <laughs> blown away when i heard it like oh man uh, there's some guys from fort worth that sound like the pixies so <laughs> i was i was in as soon as i heard it so i'm i'm really excited that it's finally coming out on vinyl green vinyl <laughs> very cool well i think that's what's so great about you guys i mean it's growing up in fort worth is just seeing the toadies go from like playing club axes and mad hatters and all that to be- you know, becoming, you know, what you guys became. It's a, it's, it was pretty cool to see all 
take off like that. So. Yeah. Uh, it was, um, it was fun to be a part of, like it, it seemed, uh, seemed like a whirlwind ride, you know, like, <laughs> I just remember how excited we were the first time we sold out Mad Hatters, you know, it's like, oh my God, we packed this whole room, you know, <laughs> people or something like that. Um, but man, I mean, the atmosphere was electric in there, just, uh, and it was exciting and just kind of one thing led to another and yeah it's crazy to think that here it is almost 30 years later uh half my life i've been in the toadies <laughs> it is crazy it's it just how time music is weird because it always makes you remember when you first heard it so it i mean it's, it's a lot of good memories from that from that scene i think just a really, really fun. It was cool that, that you know, kind of helped to compete with the grunge and all that. That there was a Texas scene. I think was it's just a, it was a really cool part of music back then. Yeah, it's kind of weird that um, I always thought you know after after the Seattle scene blew up, I thought for sure DFW Denton scene. There were just so many good bands and like such a eclectic sort of variety of types of music that bands played in the area. I thought any day now the deep Ellum scene is going to blow up and be the next Seattle. And it's never really happened. You know, all the record companies moved on from rock and roll to like electronica and boy bands and all that kind of stuff. Too bad, but you know, Still, a lot of those bands from then are still playing, like Baboon and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those guys are great. Um, so, yeah, it was a golden era. <laughs> it really was. We <laughs> yeah. Well, are you guys planning on doing another Dios de los Toadies uh, for next year? or? Um, not, no definite plans for that. We sort of kind of discontinued it after 10 years uh with plans to maybe revisit sometime the timing was right like um it was really just before the pandemic but um it seemed like um it was fun but it seemed like we put a lot of work heart and soul to it not much uh financial gain so we wanted to rethink how we were doing it and try and do it better. Um, and we're still trying to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope, I hope to see you guys next time you hit Austin. I'll definitely plan on being there always. Uh, December. December. <laughs> yep. All right. So well, between Christmas and New Year's, I think. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for your time today. It's really nice chatting with you. Good luck with the show tonight. And yeah, I look forward to seeing you all when you, when you come here in December. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much for taking the time for this. Oh, thank you. A big thanks to Mara for taking time out for this interview today. You can purchase concert tickets for the band's remaining Rubberneck tour dates and buy their new EP, Damn You All to Hell, at the band's official website, thetoadies.com. 
As promised, I'm leaving you with a track off the new EP. It's the group's aforementioned cover of David Bowie's Sound and Vision. I think you'll dig it. Until next time, stay safe and stay sane.